Welcome to the MetaView Podcast, a podcast where we ask people shit and they answer. Let's get into it. Do you believe it's morning? I'm alive, but that's the last thing on my mind. Do you believe it's morning? Welcome, welcome, Kevin. A long time no see. What have you been up to? I've been, well, I got two kids at home, so spending time with them is obviously a priority. Um, I actually had, my son was born in East Denver this year, so he's an East Denver baby, and um, seven months old now, learning to crawl. And then on the Gitcoin front, we are just trying to get more money to open source software developers. So our mission is to grow and sustain open source software, and like, connect software developers to funding for the work. And this month we're going to do like 600K worth of rewards for open source software developers, like those people who live off of Gitcoin. So just trying to get more money going through the platform, more money to Ethereum developers is, is basically what we've been up to work-wise. Awesome. Can you just give a quick intro on the CLR just in case there are people who... Who haven't heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, our mission is to grow and sustain open source. And we have this product called Gitcoin Grants, which is basically like a crypto Patreon, where if you're an open source software developer, or really like anyone in the Ethereum community that's contributing to the public good, uh, public good means something that's non-excludable and non-rivalrous, as opposed to like a consumer good, like a sports car or like something you can get on Amazon. A public good is something like clean air, or open source software, or privacy, like something that everyone derives benefit from just by like living on planet Earth or being a citizen of the internet. So Gitcoin Grants is all about how do you fund projects that are contributing to the public good. And it's a crypto-style Patreon where every quarter we run a matching round. And that matching round is uh, then paired with a crowdfunding round where we match contributions in the crowdfunding round according to this formula called quadratic funding. And quadratic funding basically optimizes for the poor and the many, the preferences of the poor and the many as opposed to the rich and the few. So like as a tangible example of that is that if uh, one grant raises $10 from 10 contributors and another grant raises $10 from one contributor, then that first grant will get way more of the matching funds because we optimize again for the poor and the many, not the rich and the few. So it's like a more democratic way of matching crowdfunding projects. And uh, so far, Gitcoin Grants has done like $3.5 million worth of funding to open source developers in the Ethereum ecosystem. And that's kind of what we're known for. Gitcoin's known for Gitcoin Grants. Awesome. Yeah, I love the part where it's not about uh, the amount of money received, but the amount of people that uh, gave it. Yeah, and I think that like, you know, I don't know how far down this rabbit hole we want to go, but like really, if you think about it one level up, um, you're kind of voting with your identity more so than your money in the matching rounds. And so we just did an integration with Bright ID where if you're Bright ID verified, then you get more of the matching funds. And I think that that's really cool because Bright ID is a, is a DID, a digital identity provider, or sorry, the sensor decentralized identity provider. And, and they grew their network of verified users like 10x during the Bitcoin grant round, something like that. And so I'm really excited about like, partnering with these dis- different digital identity systems and creating like these economic games where people get verified as unique humans in them. And then what does that enable for the next, like the next 
epoch of the blockchain-based internet. Like, we could basically go from one CPU, one vote, to one human, one vote. And that enables a lot of, like, digital democracy. And, and the design space there is really exciting to me right now. Right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this as well because, yeah, the current trend is all about uh, token voting. And it's just like, ah, yeah. we're just recreating the shareholder economies. And... I'd love to hear how your source code experiment with metagame is going. I've been following source code for a long time. And I think, like, if you're going to have tokenized systems, then I think that, um, you know, source code where you reward value creation with value capture through the token, I think, is like a really interesting way of, of sort of like growing a community. So I'd be curious to hear how that's going on your end. Yeah, we're kind of like funding the public goods at a lower level level of the stack. So instead of yeah. trying to get the, the funds that already exist, we basically just create money on the spot by people voting on something that they value. Yeah. Which yeah, I think is pretty good because it also allows it to like instead of having it focused on things that just create economic return, mm-hmm. it's pretty subjective and it just it just depends on what the community values and yeah. what the community values. That's how money gets made. Yeah. And like in our system, the only way to create money is through contributing labor. So the only way the only way for people to invest in metagame is to buy seeds from the people who created them with work. Yeah. And so that's also makes it so that. People are not buying uh, tokens whose money will be used to create something. They are using, they are buying tokens which are already like a result of creating something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I think is cool is like we're, t- we're trying to move from proof of work to proof of knowledge work, where basically like you can reward labor of a human, not just labor of a of a of a CPU chip or a GPU chip in the case of a lot of these crypto networks or an ASIC. Um, and to me. Where that gets really hard is like, how do you prove the value of knowledge work? Like the code that I wrote this morning, I don't know if it'll get shipped pr- to production. And if it does get shipped to production, what's the value that's created from it? And um, I think that SourceCred, it uses, it uses EdgeRank in order to value, to, to measure like, what are the members of the community in your community value of the work that you've done? And it uses that metadata to reward the tokens. And I think that that's a really interesting, elegant way of solving the the what do we value question. Yeah, so you've been uh, playing with SourceCred as well? We've been playing with SourceCred. I've been in touch with Dandelion for almost two years now. And uh, it's cool to see new ed- implementations of edge rank that are for humans, not just for search results. I, I, I hope that I hope to see it grow and proliferate. We're experimenting with um, like of the Gitcoin, Gitcoin contributors mm-hmm. to our, our code base. We've had 300 people contribute to the Gitcoin code base. Who has contributed the most value according to the SourceCred plugin? That's that's a, an analysis that we're running right now, just to kind of see who's produced the most value. So I'll be curious to see what comes back from that. How long has that been going? Uh, it's been dragging on for about <laughs> five months. We did the integration and then between our two code bases, and then the contributor that I was working with had some other priority or like health thing, and and we just picked it up recently again. So I'm hoping to have some results in the next couple of months because we have someone new and reliable on the project. So we'll see what happens. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to hearing like what are your thoughts on it? Like, do you think if it uh, like allocated the value properly and yeah, all of that? It's a subjective question. We need proof of work. What is the objective value of this? Yes. Yeah, I guess your thinking will yeah, also be subjective. Yeah. And have you been doing this? Uh, CLR rounds more often or just does it just 
seemed that way. Uh, we've been so one of our design goals is that the community can rely on Bitcoin grants, and so we've been aiming at doing them about every two and a half months, every three months, and and the idea is that you know every couple of months, like clockwork, you can expect the Ethereum community will learn about your project and fund your project, and and stability is a feature, right? Because like, then you can sort of say like, oh, I'm not going to go work on this for-profit project. I'm going to go work for the public good because I know the community will get me back during the next Bitcoin grants round. Um, but it, yeah, to answer your question, it's just every quarter. Right. Okay, we're also talking about these uh, quadratic freelancers. Okay, we thought about introducing a category that's uh, for people, not just for the projects. I mean, there already are like a few personal grants pretty much yeah yeah so quadratic freelancer is someone who can just work for the open internet funded by quadratic subsidies and um you know like the threshold for that is that if you need to 60k usd per year then then basically you just have to make what like 15k per bitcoin grants round something like that and so I think there's a couple of quadratic freelancers right now, but the idea is to create hundreds of them because it really shifts the incentive where like instead of going to work on some for-profit projects, you can go work on just work for the open internet and work for public good, which is the incentive structure that we want to create. And, and yeah, that's one of our design goals is to create more quadratic freelancers. Sorry, I forget what your question was about quadratic freelancer in the process of explaining it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Do you plan on introducing a category that's specifically uh, for people? Um, we haven't talked about that. The taxonomy of Bitcoin grants right now is like infrastructure tech, staff tech, and then community. And I think that another way to slice it is, is this, a, is this an organization or a DAO or is this a person? And, and I think that we'll, we should we should take a look at that. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, there's not many of those, but there was like a, like even Van Ness, for example, his newsletter, or the Samsung like white hacking grant is also personal. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I guess it depends on how many of them are there. Like, if there's just a few of them, then it doesn't make much sense to create a category. But yeah. Yeah, those are like the all-stars of Bitcoin grants. I know both Evan and Sam, and they both contribute a lot to the community, so I'm glad that they're always at the top of the rankings. The algorithm sort of like validates. You can, you can look at Vitalik's review of Bitcoin grants for the last four rounds and kind of compare and contrast, oh, are these the projects that I think are actually valuable Is the algorithm spitting it out? And it doesn't always get it all the way right, but uh, I think that it gets it right more often than not. So. I'm, I'm proud that Sam and Evan and like EPUB for and Bankless are at the top of the, the rounds. Yeah. Were there any like uh, problematic projects? Like I remember in the last round there was one scam that was like obviously a scam, but like previously I haven't seen uh, much of those like uh, yeah. people trying to game the system. Yeah, we did have, um, what's the name of that? Staff University. They had someone impersonate Greg from DAP University, like made a fake Bitcoin profile with his like photo and made a DAP University. And they raised like $300 before the community flagged the grant and, and flagged it as an, inv as an invalid grant, um, as a fraud. And, and so we introduced in the following round this Twitter verification tool where you could like verify ownership of, of a Twitter account. And the idea there was that like that the DAP University fraud wouldn't have happened if you could if everyone had their their Twitter account verified on Bitcoin grants. So 
the idea was to create more trust there, and we didn't have any more frauds of that type in round seven, except for one person who went and created a new Twitter handle for the project they were impersonating. I forget what project it was. And, and, and so basically like they created a new Twitter handle with, with zero followers that had that project identity. And so I think we're going to have to figure out how to stamp out that kind of fraud in, in upcoming rounds. But, um, you know, we ran a, a 500 K round and, and that, that project raised on the order of a hundred dollars. So, I mean, it's, it's not unimportant to, to solve that problem. But uh, it is in like the grand scheme of things, I think something we need to take care of. But it's it's not an existential threat to Bitcoin grants, in my view. Right. Yeah. I guess they also like they are aware that it's not so easy to game because like your Bitcoin like GitHub account is fresh. Yeah. Or like uh, like after the round ends, like yeah. humans decide like uh, which projects get the money and which don't. Yeah. Well, we have this thing that we call Civil Score, um, which basically looks at, we, we set up a series of automated tripwires in the system that will give you a high Civil Score if your, if like your GitHub account is new or we have a series of other tripwires. And, and if, if a grant, if the average Civil Score of contributors to a Gitcoin grant is much higher than, than the median for the round, then we do typically go take a look at it and see what's going on here. But yeah, for the most part, the winning grants have had pretty low civil scores, and so um, I think that, that we owe the Bright ID integration for that. Bright ID has and in Twitter verification has been a, a good combo so far. Right. Yeah, Bright ID did seem like a good solution. Yeah, but I don't know. It's a, it's an iterative process. Quadratic funding is gameable, and so we just try to get better at making it less gameable every single iteration. We've done seven rounds. We'll have done eight in December. So it's all about trying to just make it suck less each each round, make it more hard in each round, and hopefully eventually we'll be able to be doing over a million dollars per round because it'll be so hard. And, but it's just you know it's it's like that iteration cycle. You you make a hypothesis and then you test it out and then you gather data and then you just go through that cycle every single time. I'm I'm a big fan of 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 doing that in open research problems. Yeah, makes sense. And yeah, I noticed the the runs have been getting like uh, bigger and bigger. Like you started with what is it like 100k, and now it's half a million. Yeah, we started with 25k actually. No, oh yeah, yeah. So it's been an interesting experience, and I'm super thankful that consensus uh, funds Bitcoin honestly because I would be able to marshal the resources towards this and focus so much resources on iterating it if it weren't for Joe and consensus believing in Bitcoin. So takes a village for sure, but super thankful to them and to the community for embracing Bitcoin grants. That's what I liked about the last few, like at least two rounds. Yeah. That it's not uh, so much about like consensus and Ethereum foundation. There are a lot more like people giving in month funds than just consensus and Ethereum foundation. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about that is that people think that consensus and the Ethereum foundation uh, have been funding the grants, but it's mostly been the Ethereum foundation funding the grant rounds. Consensus just pays our salaries to work on Gitcoin. So uh, they've, they've actually never really funded a Gitcoin grants round. But, you know, uh, it's, it's like a muddled story that I don't think gets out there on Twitter. Like they just pay our salaries. They don't pay. They don't they don't fund the, the grant rounds. And like consensus is becoming a for profit organization. It's not the same consensus as it was in 2017 when they were funding a, a whole lot more projects and there was a whole lot less of a focus on profit back in 2017. Yeah, consensus definitely was like funding a lot more experiments previously, but yeah, 
But now we have decentralized funding of experiments with Bitcoin grants and and with other experiments and funding public goods. I'm also following CLR Fund. I'm following what Metagame is doing, and I, and I really I really like what you're doing with Metagame. Source threads obviously very promising for me. And then the fact that DeFi projects have their own business models built into their their economic systems, I think is really exciting also. So there's a diversity of, of ways that the ecosystem's funding itself, and I'm curious to see how that how that evolves over time, how it matures, hopefully. Yeah, I've personally a bit, uh, been a bit annoyed with all this focus on DeFi, yeah. but I mean, it's progress. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me a little bit, like I followed Metagame and uh, like you're kind of like creating an infinite game where where the goal is to grow Metagame, but then there's also these like positive externalities of people meeting each other, of people building infrastructure for community. And, but it's like an infinite game that grows, Metagame grows Metagame. And so I think that that's, that's cool. Um, it's like, it's like an infinite game that's programmed with a different replication function than quadratic funding is. But I always kind of look at your stuff and and think that it's it's neat what you're doing. So like, what's your end game with metagame? I'd love to compare and contrast with Gitcoin. Yeah, I guess the there are like two things that it uh, ends up with. One is this uh, huge community of people that are into doing uh, any kind of thing that uh, like helps change the world for the better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with there are three phases, and with each phase, it. Uh, like goes uh, further away from crypto and it like uh, real world problems and yeah. other like high tech branches, but yeah, the, like the end goal of uh, of the meta game itself. So on one end is creating this alternative society that has like connected all of these uh, pockets of alternative economies mm-hmm. that like like these uh, co living spaces, eco villages, region villages, and things like that where people could yeah like a alternative society where people can find a place to live and do work, earn money, right. everything they need to do. And then on the other side is uh, producing this thing that would be called like a meta frame, which would be like an open source framework for running societies. Yeah. So in theory, like basically make it so that other people can yeah start their own meta games and uh, hopefully keep them interoperable. Mm-hmm. What I think is cool is that like, so you have this North Star of, of this sort of alternative society that you want to build. But you've built like almost like a replication function that pulls people in and and then like helps them along their journey of A, understanding the metagame and then B, contributing to to the to their part of the metagame. And and like I think it's 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 like you've like gamified onboarding into the DAO a little bit, which is like the interesting novel here like there's a ton of people who want to do sea setting and create alternative societies but the reason why there's action in metagame is because we now have coordination mechanisms through ethereum and you've built like a gamified way of rewarding people as they're on the right track like the breadcrumbs almost for the for for building it as, as i understand it from the outside i haven't had a, a ton of time to go through the onboarding myself but yeah that's a good way to put it and i would just say that it's not just about contributing to metagame itself so we want also want people who are just doing cool things yeah so like if you have a cool project we can have you on and like see how it fits together with metagame <laughs> so like yeah try to attract all of these different uh, building blocks of this alternative society so yeah there are players and guilds and guilds are projects mm-hmm. and but it's uh, also like about supporting people like uh, find any anything else to do in crypto like for now it's just focus on crypto but yeah just if you're fr- coming from outside crypto like see help them see in which which way crypto like uh, could help them like do yeah. they take the NFT path do they are they interested in DeFi or DAOs or what 
and like help them uh, get on their way of just finding their place in the crypto space. Finding your place in the, in the crypto space. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then hopefully they contribute their knowledge back on like, uh, uh, like helping us build, for example, the skill trees. So they, okay, yeah. I, I went on my way and learned things and now I'm back to add knowledge and help uh, other people that are yeah. coming in learn things. I have a couple, like, I, oh man, I don't know which, actually like so many directions I want to go. Uh, the, the, um, the finding the place in the crypto space is really super important. A lot of people don't know this, but like back in 2017, when I decided I wanted to do crypto, I applied to, like I applied to Open Zeppelin, I applied to Consensus. I was rejected from Consensus like four times until I finally got an intro to Joe. And like only because I've been doing tech startups for like 12 years, I had a friend who was working for Joe and like knew that I was legit and he, he wouldn't mind putting an intro in front of Joe for me. But like for most people who have less experience than me or, or were just like less persistent, like finding like once I was in consensus, like once I got Joe to fund Gitcoin, I was like in the club. Like I felt like I had a home in crypto, but I've been a community organizer here in Boulder for five years. And one of the things the the Andrew High, the, the main community organizer of Boulder Startup Week told me, it's like, make sure you greet all of your attendees at the door, shake their hands, look them in the eye, say, how are you today? Do you need anything? Like, excited to see you at this event. Just like make them feel at home in your event. And I feel like there's a digital equivalent of that with like, DAOs aren't just about tokens and governance, but they're about that community and making sure that each individual member of the ecosystem feels welcomed. And, and so I, I always remember that, like when I'm trying to build Gitcoin's onboarding and we haven't really totally nailed it, but I, I think that it's cool that you're focused on that at Metagame as well. Yeah, I think that's really important, like this whole community part. Yeah. And like, even if you, even if it's about money for you, then it's still, a, it has to be about the community if you're building open source, because yeah. community is like the only defensible mode that you have. Yeah. So I think definitely there will be a lot more community focused projects. Yeah. And no, and no judgment if it is about money. Like I have a mortgage and like I said, I have two kids, like if my work didn't pay my bills, then I would, it would be a hard choice for me. So like no judgment if it is about money. Have you heard about bentoism at all? I know the word, but I yeah. can't connect it. Yeah. So basically there's this idea of bentoism, which is basically like um, modern markets will make a decision or like markets or like people can, if you're, if you're an agent in an economic system, um, it's this, it's this theory that sort of identifies that what are you optimizing for? Um, if you're optimizing for now me, what's going to gratify my needs now, um, then you're not really getting the entire picture of what you could optimize for. So basically, you can expand now me into uh, now us. So like, how do I optimize for something that's good for me and Pete, um, you know, and like Gitcoin and metagame now. Um, and then the other direction you can take it is, is, um, is temporal. So basically, future me and future us. So you get this bento box where it's not just now me, but it's now us, future me, and future us. It's like the four boxes of the bento. And it's like when you're designing a system, um, but you know what made me think about this is like, are you working on something for the community or are you working on it for money? Like if you're working on um, something for money, then that's like now, now me and future me. But if you're doing it for the community also, then you're also doing it for now us and future us. And there's that externality like you don't want to create negative externalities in that side of the bento box. You want to create positive externalities as you're like paying your bills or whatever. And I think that like for me, the, this is all about like taking the negative externalities of like capitalism before coordination mechanisms 
and creating positive externalities because those all compound on each other. So I, I don't know. Bentoism is is something that I've been into a, a lot recently as I think about the theory of, of coordination mechanisms. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so I, I kind of see that both in metagame and in Gitcoin grants. That, I think that that's neat. Yeah, I think it like uh, it becomes obvious, I guess, when people are just after the money and like not uh, not giving others enough credit, I guess. Yeah. Well, and like for me, for me, like metagame has been like a huge opportunity cost, which is part of the reason why I'm annoyed by all this thing happening in DeFi, because. Mm-hmm. First, I got the opportunity cost of not working on anything that actually pays. Yeah. Because yeah, I've been I've been getting these seeds, mm. but uh, yeah, my seeds are worth like 20k, and I've been working for a year for 20k. Yeah. And if I decided to sell them, I couldn't sell them because they're not very not liquid. enough liquidity. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's it's really huge opportunity cost, but I think it's just the right thing to do, and like it will all be fine. Yeah. Well, I think that like. This is where the like the difference between like being a founder or something I think in like being a latecomer is. So I think that like you probably have more seeds than almost anyone because like and, and rightfully so you should because you've created the most value for metagame. But like I think that if metagame grows, then there's there's an exponential growth to these information systems as they get more adoption. And so like the 20k now versus like the hypothetical value of the future of that 20k. Is, is like the arbitrage that, that you're sort of thinking of. Um, whereas like if you're a latecomer to a project, you bear less risk, but you also get less of that like exponential reward. By the way, I've been doing startups for like 12 years and like my options for every startup have never been worth anything. <laughs> so like I've played that game before, I know it. But um, the nice thing about, about crypto is that, is that like in, in startups you have, you have a returns waterfall where it's like the founder that, and the employees at the bottom and then the Series C investors, and then the Series A investors, and the Series B investors, and everyone gets paid out before you do. If you and like, what's cool about crypto is that it, it's just like you know less. I mean, not all projects are like this, but you can design systems where the returns waterfall is like a little bit more equal between the capital and the labor, and and the balance between capital and labor is something that I'm super uh, interested in exploring the design space of. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say like. Uh... For the first time ever, like with SourceCred, actually the system is biased towards the people who come in like in the, maybe not like a late wave, but like a, not a right away because uh, like, because it's based on page rank. Yeah. So like when I give a thumbs up to someone, it gives them a lot of seeds. But uh, when somebody gives a thumbs up to me, it doesn't. Yeah. But also because there's a limit to like what uh, the source code can actually track, so it doesn't like do a very good job of good job of doing tracking like the small things and like the yeah yeah the soft stuff. Yeah, there's a balance there between like data entry. So you want to create this semantic web of what what things people find valuable, but you also don't want to make people into like data entry clerks, right? And so there's like a, a trade off between those concerns, and I think. Yeah, if you, if you can find a metadata trail that's already being created that matches your value system, then I think that you've hit the jackpot in terms of creating these token systems. But um, I mean, I think what SourceCred source kind of does that. It like takes you're already liking stuff and you're already commenting on stuff. So I think that it all already sort of leverages that. But maybe you like, I know you played metagame more than me. Do people are people more serious, like studious about what they like? Um, 
in metagame than they would be on like Facebook or, or I think like likes are like the ultimate shit coin because you have a million of them, right? Um, it, are people more like studious about what they what they like in, in metagame? Yeah, Decentraland said that at some point they introduced it so that uh, when uh, uploading something, you don't just create XP, you also flow some of your own. Mm. You Notice know, like a 30% or something a drop <laughs> in the amount that people were yeah. doing it, so there was less uh, le- there was less uh, cred flowing. I think they ended up removing that, but I'm not sure. I, I think that friction in some ways is a feature, not a but. Like with quadratic funding, like you're only voting for a project to get funding if you're opening up your own wallet and funding that project, right? So I think that there's an interesting dynamic there where like that vote is costly to you and therefore like you would only be making that costly vote if you actually cared about that project. Right. And so I think that like it, in some systems it's a feature, not a bug to, to have that. But quadratic um, yeah. funding has other problems that are unrelated to that. But uh, I, I think in this context that it's, it's an interesting comparison. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's move on from these uh, community economics sure. on to like interoperability and like uh, what could we do like that uh, would benefit both projects. And I see like yeah, you you already wanted to say something, so sure. Feel free. Well, I was gonna say like I know Metagame has a Gitcoin grant, so like level one interoperability achieved. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to brainstorm what like level six interoperability looks like because I think that there's probably some proof of ground there. And uh, for example, your profiles. Yeah. We were having this call about these uh, decentralized profiles, interoperable. Yeah. So we had uh, yeah, Raid Guild, One Hive, Metagame, and Treebox. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're all basing our profiles on Treebox. And yeah, that might be one way. Like. Uh, to make these profiles more interoperable, sure. like if you plan on having like a MetaMask login or Treebox login. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I actually think that the Treebox login could be an interesting source of civil resistance for Gitcoin grants. Like, if you have built up a whole profile of Treebox, then it's less likely than you're just like a sock puppet account that's being made to create a grant. So, like, Gitcoin could derive value from Treebox there. One of the things that I've wanted to do is give back to Threebox all of the Gitcoin data, like subject to the users giving consent for doing that. And we put this little like widget on the Gitcoin profile where you could turn it on, where it would upload all of your data to Threebox. Um, I have no idea whether or not it's been used. Like I have no data about um, how many people have it enabled or how much data has been uploaded. But I know that Danny, Danny Zuckerman from Threebox told me that they're up dating from three boxes to ceramic and that's like a different data schema so i'll have to like get organized about that as ceramic launches but uh yeah definitely interested in in sort of cross-pollinating there yeah for example we're talking about this data schema for the skills so we have uh, like skills on uh, on the profiles <laughs> and so like like then it matters like the way that you implement skills on your profiles yeah because yeah, if you make a new schema then it's not really comparable, and yeah, the other way. Yeah, around. well, we 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 built this thing called Gitcoin Kudos back in 2018. This is back when I was like young and full of wonder, and I was like, what if we rewarded people with like the digital equivalent of a Hallmark card? Um, and uh, so we have these NFTs that we sell for like three dollars each. We actually don't sell them; the artists sell them, but like we're like the market maker, and like 
in terms of like the grand scheme of like Bitcoin features that people care about, Kudos has kind of been a flop. But we have issued like twenty thousand of them, and so you know we do have like twenty thousand data points of you know who has beaten what Bitcoin quest and who has gotten what Kudos. So I don't know. Maybe we could build like a translation layer between your your sort of like skill tree schema and the Kudos thing. That might be a direction that that's worth that's worth doing. We don't. Like our skill tree, skills are not uh, based on like achievements. Oh yeah. So they're a separate thing. So the the skills are just like you open a profile and you pick what skills do you have. So it's not actually there's no like very verification of skills. Got it. But kudos could interoperate with the achievement uh, yeah. achievement tree. So yeah. yeah, we actually deployed the the kudos contracts. We can deploy them on next day. Yeah. And then like first he deployed it for you, and then he also deployed it for the achievement tree, which is the achievement minting DAO. That's cool. Yeah, so we started this uh, achievement minting DAO. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah going to be used for rewarding people from the member DAOs and the wider Ethereum community. That's great. So the first member DAOs are like Raid Guild, Metagame, and Meta Cartel. Oh, nice. But he also he also airdropped the chief tokens, which are the voting tokens for the DAO, to everyone who ever contributed to a I Bitcoin saw that. CLR. I saw that. So cool. I, I'll have to go in and actually connect to my XDAI and see if I have any, I mean, I've contributed to the program, so um, I'll have to pick those up, that's cool. And so these, uh, like the way we'll place, place these achievements on the profiles, probably we can do the same thing from for the kudos. Yeah. And have you seen the actual profiles? No, I'd love to, you don't mind sharing the screen, show up to me. So this, uh, the idea is that uh, people can have their own custom custom backgrounds. So this, that's why they're that's why they're this colorful. I like it. Yeah. But yeah, you have the you have your regular bio, like your name and your profile. Mm -hmm. And this actually we changed this. This was based on enneagrams, which are like uh, personal arch archetypes. <laughs> and now we switched on the Myers Briggs archetypes. Mm. So is, that's is, this, this is this all? This is all stored in three bucks. Uh, no, just the profile itself, just the basic data. Okay. It's just, uh, yeah, uh, we plan on using ceramic, but we plan on using ceramic, but it's just uh, too slow. Yeah, so the player type, which will be the Myers Briggs type now, the archetypes, and then the, the obvious the skills, the contact. The idea here is that. Uh, People will be able to like have their own uh, NFT gallery and use it to sell them. Can, like the role, your time zone, your availability per week. Then there are the DAO memberships, the achievements, and this uh, new section button are supposed to be able to like to let you add whatever. Yeah, I was trying to add this like even the the GitHub activity. Like we have on the Gitcoin profiles, but yeah, you 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 should be able to pin like uh, your articles or just like eventually be able to have like uh, DEP integrations or just like use a block to interact with smart contracts. Uh, yeah, basically the idea is that these blocks can be used to pin up whatever you want on your profile. So you can use it, use it as a gallery or as a app store or wherever the fuck you want. So there's that, and the final piece is this uh, like Colab and Trust, 
and the collab should be opening like a dialogue where you like uh, where you're requesting something from the person and you enter like a like a staking situation where you start a contract and you set the arbitration to Claros or Aaron Court. And the trust button is that like a sort of like add as a friend on Facebook. But uh, if you have personal tokens, then you also exchange some tokens. So it's not just add as friend, but it's just add as friend with uh, skin in the game. But uh, yeah, this, this is just a design. That's like a long term plan. These are just the, this is the live version. This is what live was live yeah. now. Yeah, much much simpler than that. But yeah, we'll get there. Um, yeah, y'all have clearly such an eye. Like I think that we and I, like we and you have sort of similar eyes for designs, like these neon color schemes. But the, the the profile work that you've done is super beautiful, and and I wonder if everyone in the metagame is going to be one as expressive as you are in your profile with like the sort of like crazy neon backgrounds. My experience is that some people really like flair, but some people like to be a little bit more muted in their self-expression. So I'll be I'll be curious to see how how that uh you know evolves as y'all go live. And you, I mean, I'm sure you have different profile backgrounds that you're going to give people options to use. But that's one thing that we've learned is you know some people are are a little bit muted in self-expression, and some are like really really out there. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely on the crazy side of things. But yeah, yeah, we should definitely like allow people to. There will be some like normal default ones, which will be like ranging from colorful to simple, and yeah, give people the ability to have their own wallpapers. Um, yeah, so I mean, like interoperability. So, so here's why this is important: is digital identity is is how we unlock digital democracy in these systems. You move from one CPU, one vote to one human, one vote, and maybe like you know one hu- like. Uh, we're, we're like changing the relationship between capital and labor. Like labor can't be bought, whereas like capital can buy things. And so we want to build these economic systems where the value extracted scales with the value created. And, and reputation is like a super important part of that. But it's also subject to this network effect where until you have enough people in a reputation system, but no one trusts the reputation system and no one trusts the reputation system until you've got people in it. Right. So this is this chicken and the egg problem with like the network effect of it. And what's cool is that like Bitcoin's got X thousands of users, um, metagames got Y and like, if we can all just get them in three box and like interoperable with each other, which is like, you know, like sort of like the, the promised land, then I think that we're, we're, we're going to be able to like all climb that network effect faster, but, um, agreeing on a standard and like finding the time to do the integration work is where I think like for me, things get stuck. And it's just like, we just have to bang it out, honestly. I, I think that once Ceramic is released, I'm not going to have the time to code it, but I could at least like push up a bounty where someone can, can do the translation or something like that. And and we can like start to add liquidity. I, I don't like talking about like people's data as liquidity, but when you're building a reputation network, like that's what it is. Like these are all our humans. They're all like our friends. They're all three-dimensional humans, but like it's liquidity in a re- reputation system. So... That's kind of how I think about that. And yeah, I mean, Metagame is like what you guys are on the order of a couple hundred people now, right? Yeah, like the whole Discord is 850. But yeah, we locked down the active players to Dunbar's number to 150. And then we have the, yeah, we have, we locked it to the active players to Dunbar's number. But we also have like protected players 
which is the people who came in as active players, but then they stopped contributing. So you have to, you need to have like a certain amount of seeds to protect your player status. Mm, so you're like kind of like staking on like it's like a BRB like kind of thing. Like I'll, I'll stake my seeds on on like I'm not active now, but I'll be active later. Yeah, for that and for like people who like don't even want to contribute to work, but just want to contribute yeah. with uh, money. And so that's what's the threshold? What's the threshold for an active player? We haven't really come up with one yet. We just implemented that like uh, less than two weeks ago. And now I just started going through the player list and contacting people like who haven't been active in a long time and telling them, okay, there's two ways you can go. But yeah, I started uh, cleaning up. That's one thing that I, I kind of want to do in Gitcoin is like basically like add, add sort of like levels. So there's like two... Like there's two ways that you can do levels. I'm thinking of like the traditional Diablo two, where it's like I'm a level one paladin, or paladin, and then I can go up to level ninety nine based off of how many skills and how like how I do in the game. But then there's also sort of like activity levels, which can go up, but you can also go back down, and, and you're, there can be a decay rate. And and I think that one thing that we're not doing really well right now is that like a lot of people with Gitcoin, like they just sign up, they sign up, and then they come back once a quarter to contribute to a Gitcoin grant. And so I think that one of the things that we could do is like kind of like recognize different activity patterns and provide different feature sets and rewards for people that are going through that. I've always thought that like metagame does a really good job of this. Like you literally have game in the name, you're gamifying this stuff. So um, uh, it, it's there's an interesting design thing there where you can create a lot of value by setting those expectations and those boundaries for people. Yeah. It was just just the other day, and like I actually had this idea when I started metagame, but I didn't at that time. I didn't think think it was yet worth implementing, but by now I think it is. The idea of having seasons, like in normal games, if you have like a winter season, whatever season, and right now like people come into metagame, they see Hamad and I have like a shit ton of XP, and like a few top people that are like look unreachable. And like I just, you know, it doesn't look that you can just join game and be the first on the list. But if we had seasons, then like you can come in for a few months and you can be the winner for the season. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, this may be like a little bit of an out of left field question, um, and I'm asking it to you and to me. Economic mobility to me is a super interesting concept. Anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I tweet about the Matthew effect a lot, which is basically like this effect where the rich it's it's the cumulative gains come coming from accumulated capital and basically what that means is that the rich get richer but it also applies to other systems beyond just money like reputation and so one of the things that i've like kind of been really passionate about is like the matthew effect which is that the rich get richer systems consolidate over time towards more people like a smaller group of people accumulating more wealth and the resources how do you like change that law of economic gravity it, like, do A, do we want to? And B, how do you change the economic, the law of economic gravity? And it, I think that, like, that's one of the things I'm really passionate about discovering in this design space. Like, if we can find that, I think it would be a really special moment because, like, clearly, like, you're the founder of Metagame and you deserve that XP. I'm the founder of Gitcoin and, like, in Gitcoin's equivalent of XP, I probably have the most, aside from, like, whales who have funded Bitcoin grants. But, like, how do you create economic mobility where people can work their way up? into that top echelon just by virtue of efforts in creating values is, is like an open design question for me. Yeah, that's a good question. 
yeah. one way to start. I mean, I think you've, kind of like gamified, you've gamified your onboarding path, so like you're clearly on the way to doing that. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I wanted to say the first thing is to not do token farming. <laughs> Yeah, don't like capital, just get more capital. Yeah, that's yeah. like a lot first of people. Do no harm, right? Yeah, we yeah. Should, what did you say? I said first do no harm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of the people will have this liquidity problem. Yeah, so it's actually funny because we still have the money that we had back from the first CLR around because it took us a long, long time to start the liquidity pool and all that. And so now the problem is like we need to add those funds to the liquidity pool but the treasury itself has no seeds like all the seeds are produced for the workers so we have you have to purchase them yeah, yeah we have to purchase them but since there's no liquidity like we can purchase them so i wrote a newsletter yeah. that was titled all caps sell your seeds and like with uh, like a comma at it yeah. each, after each word and like only two people contacted me and one of them gave yeah. up like he didn't want to sell them like so okay like it's nice knowing that people don't want to sell their seeds that they're still holding them after a year but like we really need them and so a lot of people started suggesting that we should implement the seed farming and just uh, start rewarding people for providing liquidity but yeah i was against that for precisely that reason because i think that would be just recreating the same old dynamic of the rich get richer and the other side of yeah. the argument was like, yeah, but in our case, the rich aren't really rich. They're just the people who contributed the most to metagame. But, yeah. Which is like, you know, time is the great equalizer, right? We each only have X number of hours per, per week, and whereas, like, capital can be unlimited. You know, money printer go burr. Um, so I think it's interesting to think about whether or not that would happen in a... In, in, a network where the currency is basically like proof of time spent. I'm actually looking, I just Googled the metagame seed market. I found a post that MetaDreamer did on February 25th, but I can't find the contract address for the seeds. So I was going to go look at them on Uniswap and see if Do I can pick are up you, Are you on uh, MetaGame Discord? I think you are. Yeah. So, yeah, when you get there, just type in exclamation mark, question mark, token. Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay. So I'm about to buy it. 0.5 ETH worth of seeds. Nice. <laughs> That's going to move the market too much. Maybe I'll only buy 0.25 ETH. I think you should move it like uh, 5% or something like that, right? <laughs> Number go up. Cool. So you do have a set, like not a very liquid market, but there is at least some liquidity. Well, I just bought some on on one of my accounts, just a very small amount, just to just to have a small bag, but that's how, cool. How many seeds is that? Um, I already closed the browser tab, let's look. I think 14 seeds I just bought. You need like 20, half. yeah, you need like 20 seeds to be in the active players. Uh, okay. Damn, so I can buy my way into the active players, huh? <laughs> uh, where did your, there we go. Okay, I, I lost the browser window for a second from what we're chatting. Um, so I unfortunately have another meeting that I have to run off to. But yeah, anything else you want to you jam on? It's been fun to catch up. If you had one advice to metagame, what would it be? Oh man, it's so fucking hard. I think for me, so today is my three year anniversary at Gitcoin. Actually three years of being funded by consensus and you know, having actually people using it. Um, I actually launched it in my basement 
in the spring of 2017, so it's three and a half. You don't count that. But for me, it's just like this is this whole journey has taught me a lot about persistence and not giving up on the hope and the dream. And I'm glad that I've made it this far because the gains I think are ex- exponential. Like this time last year, Gitcoin was doing like 120k per month of funding for open source, and now we're doing 500k. So you know, knock on wood. I don't know if that'll continue. Those those gains will continue, but I think that it's taught me the value of persistence to to really just be pouring my heart and my soul into this five days a week for 50 weeks a year for three years. And yeah, man, it's worn me down a lot, especially through the bear market when when things got rough. But I, I think it's taught me a lot about persistence. And I think that if, if y'all believe in your in your dream, I think that persistence is a really valuable thing. And, you know, Pete, I know you've been working on this for a year. And I've seen how persistent you are and how you've sort of developed since you and I were first DMing back in 2019. And I, I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing it happen. So I think keep up the good work is, is my advice, as cliche as that is. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's what I need to hear. Yeah, for sure. A lot of downtrends in this whole year were the time when I was like, is this worth it? But uh, yeah, persistence yeah. in it, I think it is. Yeah, there's actually a bunch of things that I'm going to get into, like, will there be a Gitcoin DAO and things like that. But yeah, uh, we will talk at we some do, other we time. Can do some rapid fire. I can just tell my next meeting that I'll be a few minutes late. You want to do rapid fire? Like, go through those questions? If you have time, I don't I don't want to put you on the spot. I'll just, yeah, I'll just ask you that one question, like, will there be a Gitcoin DAO? I would like to make the users of Gitcoin into governors of Gitcoin, air quotes, owners of Gitcoin. Uh, I think the big question for that is how can we do that in a way that's compliant with the law here in the United States? So yeah, in in the far future, in the mid future, I think it's something that we're going to try to do. I don't want to just be like Joe Lubin's project forever, but you know how we get from A to B is is a subject of active discussion, and I don't have anything public to say about it at at, uh, at this time. But yeah, hopefully in the future. Uh, I, I think that de- decentralization is in the ethos of this space and the ownership economy is in the ethos of this space. And so it's a long-term aspiration for me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's good to hear. Cool. Well, uh, thanks so much for having me, man. And I'll look forward to the recording of this. I'll, I'll chill it out once it's, once it's live. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. And see you around, dude. Bye, Pete. See you later. You believe it's morning. I'm alive. But that's the last thing on my mind. more